Welcome to the week one wrap-up show where we try to go through all things League MX that happened in week one. Uh, it's me, Raul, and we got Rafa on the other line. It's up. Trying to review the little things that happened. Basically, it was just a very average week, I guess, to be honest. Uh, a lot of teams probably still have their minds in Cancun and the beach because it really showed. I mean, not to be a downer right at the beginning of, of the podcast, but yeah, it was it was preseason form, I guess we can say. It would be generous. Yeah, let's be honest. There was maybe one and a half good games this week, but it's better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, um, it's reason to be excited, I guess. Uh, Leon Mekis is back, and uh, although the games weren't very good, it's sure to improve. It's It could be worse. We were talking about just how bad the Brazilian League is, but uh, that's a subject for another podcast. I feel like Liga MX always starts off slow, and then like the last month and a half, it's like a dead sprint to try to make La Liga. Yeah, it's it's funny because this this happens every summer. It, it usually doesn't happen in, uh, in January with the, with the Clausura. It, it sort of just picks up a bit faster maybe it's because teams have already you know had just maybe a two or three week vacation and then they're back at it uh but usually with the summer it just takes a bit longer for teams to pick up steam and uh and play you know good entertaining soccer because that's something uh, unfortunately we didn't see in week one it was rough but let's uh let's go through the results uh friday night we had cholo speeding Morelia 2-0, uh, Dider Moreno had two goals. Uh, anything you see interesting in that game, Rafa, besides uh, uh, Biojo finally winning at home with Cholos? Yeah, it's 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 quite surprising because uh, if you think about it, they didn't win a, ga- a home game last uh, this last season. Uh, so this is, I think, a, a statement, I guess, that, that maybe this season will be a bit different. It, it sure is a morale booster for for a team like Cholos, who's had a, uh, maybe consecutive seasons, I think, where they've just been terrible. Uh, but uh, but it, it's, it was different. I think I'm a bit surprised uh, Herrera kind of didn't go with his famous line of five at the back. He kind of switched things up a bit, uh, which is a bit surprising. Uh, but all in all, I got to say I'm, I'm quite satisfied with what I saw from Cholos. Uh, I don't know if they'll be you know, game changers and they'll dominate the league or anything like that. But you never know. They, they might be in the fight for a league at the end of the day. Uh, but for Morelia, I think their their objectives are clear. They're, they're trying to sort of get away from that relegation trouble they're in. But they, they should improve. I think Morelia has been improving for quite a bit under Enrique Mesa, and they have that sort of stability. Uh, but as it is, it's early in season, sort of, the home team kind of had that little small advantage, and they uh, and they ended up with the win. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess we gotta talk about a bit about Dairo Moreno, who who's been playing well. Uh, I know he was with Colombia this past Copa America, uh, and he's sure to be one of the maybe in the discussion for for top scorers at the end of the season. But all in all, I think it it was a, it was an okay match compared to the rest of the matches. Yeah, we thought that was going to set the bar, but it ended up being the nearly the high point of the weekend. But, yeah, like you're saying, Dyer Moreno, he, I remember when he came over, he was, they bought him for a couple million dollars. He was a big money acquisition for Cholos, and then something happened, and next thing you know, he's out on loan somewhere else. And But, yeah, he's been playing well. Like, the last last year, he actually, I think he had, like, double-digit goals finally. Yeah, and he's he's actually the top scorer for, for Cholos in, in their history. So, I guess he's in the history books for that. Uh, I know Scholes is not a very old club per se, but I mean that's worth noting. Yeah, and uh, just like you said, I can't believe that it's been they didn't they went the whole season without a win at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, we had Querétaro two over Veracruz, who had zero, and like you were saying, Veracruz played pretty well that game, all things considered. Yeah, all, all things considered, I think Veracruz did have been playing well. I think they played well against Chivas as well. It's just. They can't get to to score goals, which is the important thing here. Uh, they played well against Querétaro. They, I think they looked more more likely to score, and unfortunately, Querétaro scored against the runner play. Uh, I think it was a huge mistake by, Le, by Leobardo Lopez, who just basically gifted Emmanuel Villa the goal, and then after that, it was just game over when Eric Cardoso scored the second goal. But it, it's 
Veracruz, I think, will be. Uh, I'm not sure. I think they they have issues with relegation trouble as well. But they it's going to take time. They have a new manager. Uh, they brought in a whole lot of new players, uh, but they they've been they've done well. I think it's a matter of time where where the, the they'll get something out of this tournament. I mean, it's a long, long tournament. This is only week one. But Veracruz has been okay. As for Querétaro, I think I'm going to say now I have Querétaro as one of my surprise teams. Um, they a lot of, If Querétaro fans listen to this podcast, uh, they'll probably be like, no, you just jinxed it. But I, I have Querétaro as one of my surprise teams for this tournament. I think they uh, they brought in good players. They they had, they had brought in Victor Manuel Lucetich. Uh, they've kept Victor Manuel Lucetich which is, I think, the high point during their offseason. Uh, you know, we can forget about all the players they brought in. They brought, they kept Vucetich in charge, which is the most important thing for me. Uh, and that consistency on the bench is, is what's most important. Uh, and I think that I'll have enough to uh, maybe sneak into the league and do something. And real quick, um, the bottom three teams in the Senso are Nakaxa. With a 1.0, I guess, let's just call it coefficient or, I guess, points per game. Um, and then we got Morelia at 1.0725. And then, surprisingly, we have Cholos at 1.18. So, I mean, Piojo needs to get some points here, not even just to keep his job, but to keep the team up. I mean, I don't see them going down, but they're down, they're down there right now in the rankings. Yeah, just to go back to Cholos, it's, that's why it's so important to get points at home. It's somewhere where they lost so many points last season, and that's the reason they're in trouble right now. They just couldn't get wins at home. Uh, I think you will see us as we continue reviewing the rest of the games. The pattern we see that all the home teams went went undefeated this this season, and maybe you start thinking that we're going to go back to that league I make is where all the home teams have really good results, and the visiting team tries to at least get a point, uh, which is sort of like you know the traditional. Uh, game plan when, when you go out to, to other stadiums where, you know, if we go to the stadium, we'll get a point, and that's good. Uh, but, you know, getting wins at home is important. It's it's really, really, really important, uh, not just in any other leagues in the world, but especially in the Yamekis, because uh, you can go on and lose every single game away from home, but if you get points at, at home, then it could be enough to get you into the Liga. It's it's just that simple. And when it comes down to it, that's all you want to do, get into the Liga. Yeah. Uh, next, we had uh, Atlas 1, Toluca 1. Um, Atlas had a red card, and uh, Toluca had a late equalizer. So they split the points, but like you're saying, Atlas, the home team, didn't lose. What uh, they say is you know, the famous saying, Alo Atlas, I think that was a very Atlas result. <laughs> were Atlas going to Atlas? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Atlas going to Atlas. They were up 1-0, and they just... New, not only were they one up, they scored the goal right after they got the red card. So uh, more merit to them. But then afterwards, they just you know messed it all up. Very Atlas-like. Uh, Toluca were not playing very well. Even after they went up a man, they didn't look very well. And it just happened. Atlas conceded at the end. What can we say? Yeah, well, like you were saying, Atlas gonna Atlas. <laughs> Atlas gonna Atlas, yeah. Um, and the next game, another red card. Uh, Monterrey tied one one with Puebla, and um, yeah, your boy Evan Cardona. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, we were we were discussing about that. Uh, I know he came out with with an Instagram. And I think it was his wife actually, not him. Uh, came out with an Instagram post talking about the red card. But I don't know. It, it's funny because once he came in, came onto the game, he actually looked like. Uh, like he could make the difference for Monterrey. I think they were up 1-0 at that point. Uh, but to give away a red card like that, I think it cost his team the three points. Uh, it was childish. There was no need for that. Uh, so now I'm wondering if maybe there's there's an issue, you know, outside the field with you know Cardona and maybe the Monterrey board. Maybe he's forcing a move away from the club. I don't want to read too much into it, but it was just not very smart of him to to do something like that. Uh, and Puebla did. Puebla were not. You know they weren't very good, but they weren't very bad. They just took their chance, and that was it. They got their point. Um, but yeah, I think the talking point here is Edwin Cardona. Just very childish of him. Yeah, he came in in the 61st minute, got a straight red card in the 67th minute, and then Puebla equalized it five minutes later. Yeah, but yeah, like you were saying, he came on in those six minutes. He had one key pass that nearly led to a goal. 
Yeah, he looked he looked active in those five minutes, <laughs> but after that, he just threw it all away. Yeah, it was bad. But uh, one thing I do want to talk about this game is uh, Ponchito Gonzalez's performances. He, I mean, I think he stagnated at Atlas last year. I don't know if it was just the, the whole team was just terrible, which they were, but maybe it was too much for him where he was pretty much the last guy left from that, you know, the really good midfield they had a couple of seasons before. But he just stagnated. He didn't do much. He was just did not, didn't get any better like we were hoping he would. And uh, But, yeah, this game he was well, played all 90 minutes, had two key passes, picked up the he he was the reason they got the penalty and even he was strong in the air surprisingly he had out of the 16 duels he, he won 12 of them he was just really active for me and he even had three and five tackles yeah we were talking a bit of uh, Arturo Gonzalez before before the podcast and I brought up that uh, this is a guy who who at some point at Atlas was playing really well he was scoring goals left and right he was getting assists uh but it was sort of because, in my opinion, it was because Atlas had a had a very good team. It, this was during Tomas Boy's time, where where he brought in a, a nice group of midfielders. I think Rodrigo Millar was was at his peak. I think he he was a full Chile international at that point. Juan Carlos Medina had just arrived from Club America, and he he was he just narrowly had missed the World Cup with an injury. Uh, and I think Arturo Gonzalez was fine with having that that secondary role, and he sort of flourished with it. Uh, eventually, Medina just dropped in form. Uh, Millar left the team, uh, and the only guy left, like you said, was Gonzalez, and, and he sort of had to take uh, that pressure of being the main guy in the team, uh, and he just didn't look good. Uh, now here in Monterrey, there, there's he's just surrounded by talent left and right. Uh, he has Carlos Sanchez, he has Edwin Cardona, he has Celso Ortiz. I mean, he doesn't have to be that number one guy in that team. And I think that's where he's where he flourishes the most when he's not the guy who's taking the responsibility of being the number one guy in the team. So again, you you brought a really good point, uh, Arturo Gonzalez, Poncho Gonzalez, as as we call him. I, nah, I man, think he, always gonna be Ponchito for me. Ponchito, <laughs> uh, Ponchito Gonzalez. Uh, this could be his season. You you never know. He might flourish again uh, in that secondary role with Monterrey. He's again he's just surrounded with so many talented players. Uh, it's it's gonna be the little things for him, uh, and if he scores the goals, then yeah, that's that's a plus for Monterrey. Uh, it just wasn't again. I think more of the blame. It, it's harsh when you put the blame on just one player, but Edwin Cardona did did mess up, and, and it cost his team. Uh, but all in all, Monterrey it continues to be one of the favorites for the title, in my opinion. Uh, one final thing on uh, Ponchito. Do you think it's 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 more obvious that he stagnated due to the fact that he's part of the same generation as Chucky Lozano, and Lozano just he just went on another level last year, and Ponchito did not. I, I think for me it was for me it has to do more with the mental. I think Gonzalez is just a, a a really really good player. I think you brought it up, you explained it really well. This guy uh, is one of the more balanced midfielders, young midfielders that that are Mexican in the league. Um, he he has such a balanced skill set. He can do everything, but the mental aspect is just not there. This is a guy who had to take the responsibility of being the main guy at Atlas. Uh, if you don't, if you recall that that one game uh, against Chivas in that Clásico Tapatio where where he missed that penalty, it, it was just so hard for him to bounce he back. Crushed that. when he when he missed that penalty, he just looked crushed. Yeah, he he received a lot of criticism. He, he's just a guy who was put into a, a really tough position at a young age, uh, and I think he just needed that change of setting. I think Monterrey is, is a really good, a really good place for him to to maybe refine that that form he had back in the day. Uh, he's still young. He's he has you know he oozes in potential because he, again he's just a very balanced midfielder. He's the kind of guy who who, who can do a little bit of everything, in my opinion. Um, for me, it's just more of the mental aspect. I think a lot of guys just uh, like Irving Lozano. One thing about him is that he, he's not scared of the pressure. Uh, we'll talk about him. I think maybe that's the next game we'll talk about. If you just want to go back to, if you want to go straight to Pachuca's win. Uh, yeah, well, real quick, real quick on the last thing I want today is, man, Cesar Montes. I know you're a huge fan, but that kid just impresses me every single time I see him play. And I even tweeted out. He doesn't turn 20 until next February, and he's even eligible for the next Olympic team. Yeah, he's he's headed to to the Olympics. He's 
hopefully, I mean, barring something horrible, but uh, he will be going to, to Rio. So uh, he, he was once again impressive. Uh, I'll say that um, I, I think Monterrey will miss him a bit, but they got Irán Mier moving to, to that center back position. Uh, the always injured Irán Mier. I swear to God, but, him and Torres Nilo, the last three or four camps they, called, they got called into, they got hurt from the moment yeah. they got announced to the time that camp actually started. Yeah, um, but Montes should be there. I, I don't know if he will start, but he should be there, and that's and that's experience. That's good experience for a guy who, who a lot of coaches, inclu- including Antonio Turco Mohamed, say that this guy should be in the Mexico national team. It doesn't matter what his age is. This guy should be with the senior side and with L3. But time will tell. Uh, this is a really good opportunity for him. Yeah, he's just every time I see him, I just I just stop myself and be like, this kid is 19 years old, yeah. and it's not like he's playing on some you know lower tier team. That's oh, let's hope they don't get relegated. No, he's playing for the title. I would say Monterrey's is number one right now. I would, yeah. would if I had a power rankings, they would be in my number one team right now. Uh, I I bring in Tigres, but we'll talk about it a bit later. <laughs> uh, yeah, you you touched on it, but. Next game was uh, Pachuca Leon, and I, I was I was looking forward to this game, but I did not expect it to be so lopsided. Ended up five to one, and I know when it's five goals, everyone looks at the goalie, but I felt bad for Yarbrough this game. Yeah, there's there's no excuse. I think Leon was arguably maybe a lot of people criticize me, but I think they were arguably the worst. I mean, the scoreline says it, but just in terms of performance, they were probably the worst team this week. Uh, they were just bad. They, they they looked like they were not even in preseason. They were at the start of preseason, still, you know, finding their legs, still running laps around the beach or whatever teams in Mexico do. But I mean, they were just not in it. And as what I'm gonna say every single time Lozano plays for Pachuca, is this the last time he plays for Pachuca? I, that's a tough one. I, I think he's he's staying. I don't see the Manchester United interest picking up unless some other team. Uh, jumps the boat and you know puts a bid on, puts a bid for him. I, I don't think. I mean, what there's been countless rumors. Uh, a lot of people have said no. There's nothing with Manchester United. Blah blah blah. But back to the comparison I made with Arturo Gonzalez with Ponchito. Uh, I mean, Lozano is a guy who pressure. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, everybody feels pressure, but this guy, uh, it doesn't matter. He he goes ahead and scores two goals. He he does his thing. Uh, his mind is just completely 100% in the game. Uh, nothing else is bothering him. Uh, he showed it. He scored twice. I think he had an assist as well. Uh, don't don't yeah, quote me he on had, that. He had two goals, one assist. Yeah, I mean, he he was he he took his chances. I, I won't say he had his best game uh, with Pachuca, but uh, I think he he's a smart player as well. You you have to understand. Uh, just tactically speaking, Leon is not is not a good team when it comes to dealing with speed because they have two very slow center backs and their wing backs are not very good. So Lozano just basically took prey in that. He he just went crazy. Uh, he found the space and he got two goals. Uh, but I think the red card, I think Leon got a red card as well. That didn't help him. Uh, we can talk a bit about Luis Montes. I think Luis Montes' goal was just brilliant. That's another guy we have to keep an eye out for because – in the Liguilla, uh, he did well this past Liguilla where, where Leon actually got eliminated by the same Pachuca team. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it was 2-1 before the red card, and then Pachuca scored three goals in the last half hour after the red card. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just... You have to say that um, Lozano was, was a game-changer with the, the two goals, but uh, I don't know. I, I was not happy with, with how Leon looked at that second half right after the red card. I mean, even in the first half, they looked okay. But but afterwards, they just looked like the game was over. They just want to go home. And especially the little things, I think Hada's last goal was just, it was just a joke. The, the defenders just looked like they were not interested. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Pachuca, I just love watching Pachuca play because, you know, they got, they got Chucky Lozano, but they also got Guti, they got Pizarro, and then now they got Delos Lopez, and he... He he played pretty well too. Yeah, he helped with an assist. Yeah, he had an assist. He he was three for three in his crosses. Had a couple of key passes and you know tackles, interceptions. He was filling up the stat sheet at right back. Yeah, he he was. This is a really good opportunity for him, I guess, to 
to learn a different scheme. I think with Chivas, a lot of the pressure went to Lopez to send in a cross for uh, the anonymous Omar Bravo, who who has now gone to uh, to the U.S. But here, I think he won't have to cross the ball as much, which means he'll, he'll learn a bit more those defensive concepts that that any really good right back or fullback needs to learn. Uh, but he con- he made his contribution. He he has uh, Reta Vizcaya, which is uh, very similar or very much in the mold of, of Chucky Lozano, uh, very speedy wing back. So he has to cover for him as well. Uh, this this can only do well for for Raul Lopez. I, I know that maybe he personally he was a little let down that Chivas let go of him. Uh, but this is a good opportunity. You can see you can see as a positive move for him. Uh, who knows? Maybe he, he'll have that chance with the national team again. Uh, but yeah, Pachuca just have a really good squad. They kept the same squad they did uh, this last championship. Uh, the only problem from is the Olympics, where will they lose? You know, three four players. But they had they have the squad. And you, Diego Alonso cannot complain. Yeah, and then like. 75th minute or 70th minute they've got Victor Guzman off the bench Eric Aguirre off the bench I mean, yeah Aguirre yeah <laughs> so and this team is just I feel like the oldest guy I feel like the oldest guy is well obviously the oldest guy is Conejo Perez but I think the, I don't even know who the oldest guy in the field is usually in their it might be players. Omar no is, is it Omar maybe Omar's like what 28 years old I mean <laughs> Omar is yeah he's 27 years old so Man, this team is just fun to watch. Yeah. But yeah, they just took it to Leon. Leon just wanted no part, no part of it. I mean, and then the next game, we got Necaxa, Cruz Azul, another one of those good old 0-0 games. Yeah, it's, I guess it's nostalgic to to watch Necaxa back in Liga Mekis. Uh They have a good team, Let, let's be honest. They, they bought some really good players. Uh, they kept a lot of the core that that won them the promotion to to Liga MX. Uh, they have a they have a good team. They they got the famous uh, Mexico killer, I guess we can call him uh, Edson Puch. Yeah, yeah, he came in in the second half. He had one chance. Uh, he just narrowly missed. But uh, they have a good team. You, you can't count out Necaxa. I think they have enough to to avoid a Dorados. They they again they have a good team and they have a good young coach. So. Uh, this no zero one zero can be as bad as Dorados was last season. It was yeah. just, oh man, it was rough. Yeah, that's that's not good. Dorados, my yeah. my hometown team, but uh, <laughs> they won five one. By the way, if, if anybody's interested, they they won their, their first at San Juan game five one. But don't call it a comeback. Nikaxa. Don't call it a comeback. Yeah. Uh, but back to Nikaxa. Nikaxa is um, they they should have enough. They uh, I don't want to jinx it, but they have a good team. The uh, Cruz Azul, I think. Uh, they got good players again. They got a, they got a Tomas Boy kept. It was very similar actually to Nicaxa. They kept a lot of the team from last season. Uh, they brought in that famous number nine that nobody knows of that played maybe one or two games somewhere else, and they purchased for a crap load of money. You know the usual Cruz Azul tradition every off season. But uh, they they should do fine. Uh, I a lot of people have Cruz Azul and and Club America as a top two teams out of the four more popular teams in Mexico. Uh, I think it will be tough just because Tomas Boy is just uh, a bit a bit crazy, I guess, to be generous. But for if you're a Cruz Azul fan, uh, you know, you, you're used to this. I, I don't mean to be mean, but uh, you just never know with Cruz Azul. They, they might play well. They might make the Liguilla. They might not make the Liguilla. You just never know. It's just Cruz Azul, you know. The one thing they have that they've been having for a while is Corona and Gold doing well. Yeah, he's he's doing well. Uh, he should be in the future college for for L three. Uh, he's probably the only consistent player at Cruz Azul. Uh, for being honest, uh, I know uh, I'll give a shout out to to my tocayo Rafael Baca, who I think has been doing. A superb job with Cruz Azul. Actually. I think he's been one of the better defensive midfielders in the league for the past few seasons. Uh, but other than that, it's just it's just tough for Cruz Azul. It's tough for Cruz Azul fans. Uh, I'm not a Cruz Azul fan personally, but but I feel for them. Uh, it's just really tough to follow Cruz Azul. If there's any lesson here, 
I'm a Cubs fan, man, so don't even say yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the Arsenal fan, so maybe we can relate there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, America? Club America, Chiapas. Yeah, it's it's pretty much what we expected. Club America got their got their win. This game uh, was bad, man. This game was just ugh. I, it was, I it was tough for me to stay up to watch this game. I wouldn't say it's bad. I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. I think uh, Chapas had their chances. I think um, Eagle Insight on Twitter gave a pretty pretty good assessment of it. If if Chapas were better at finishing off their their breakaways, America could have easily lost that game. It could have easily been two zero before yeah. Amer- before Quintero had that goal. Yeah. Um, Munoz. I believe it was a, like it was a nice goal too. It was right outside the box. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Munoz was kept busy. I think one of the big question marks heading into this game, which was which goalkeeper was going to start, uh, Hugo Gonzalez, I think did really well this last season when he took over for Moisés Munoz. Uh, but it was Munoz who got the start, and he did really, really well. He he might have gotten more than five saves in that game easily. Um, he was. I think the better of the players in for Club America. I think. Yeah, he had a, he had nine saves. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a yeah. lot of saves. And uh, if per uh, Sofa score, he had an eight point five rating, which is the highest. I think it might be the highest rating in any game this weekend. Actually. Yeah, he, he was really good. And I think he got injured at the end. I think I might have heard uh, uh, that he got injured. So. A bit of a worry there, but Hugo Gonzalez again did really well. For Clue America, it's just a matter of, of chemistry. It's it's preseason. They, I think, the first objective here was to get the three points, and they got the three points, uh, and that was it. It's it's a day by day for them, uh, or it's a game by game, I should say. Uh, they move on to the next week, and you know they hope to improve. Then uh, it, it's their centenary year. They it's. An important occasion. This is Club America we're talking about. Um, so it's it's an important season. It's it's how they wanted to start it. Uh, I know every every fan would have wanted a five zero or whatever, but uh, that's just the nature of how things are in the beginning of the season. You can settle for for an easy win like this. Uh, this should fix a bit of the issues they have defensively. Uh, but again, it's just the beginning of the season. We can't blame them for for looking a bit sloppy at the back. Uh, if Chapas didn't score, then it's Chapas' fault, you know? America scored their goals, and that was it. Yeah, and their new signing, Renato Ibarra, I thought he played well on the left on the left side for them. Uh, yeah. Uh, even Silvio Romero, who who came in as as a substitute, just did a, a wonderful job with that, with that goal right at the end to seal the points. With the so, assist from Peralta. Yeah, so Club America is Club America. It's, it's just fact of life they'll find ways to to be there at the end of the day and, and get the points speaking of finding ways to not get points pumas chivas this game yeah. was just meh i don't know it was it was, the first half was real bad i thought it was, it not, was nothing happened nothing happened in the first half <laughs> yeah it, it was a bad game it was it was on paper, I think, the, the game where most people were excited about, including myself. I think uh, this is generally two, two traditional Mexican teams, two of the four most popular, or two of the big four, I should say, uh, as we call them in Mexico. So a lot of people think this is a borderline classical. I know uh, if you heard Pedro Bermudez say yesterday that, you know, for him, this is a classical. Uh, a lot of people think, no, no, this is not a classico. There's no way this classico is just a very... <laughs> a lot very... of people on Twitter were saying, everyone thinks this is a classico until right after the game, and they're like, this is not a classico. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's two big teams. They have uh, a big history, and that's, you know, big games like these ring in the ratings. Everybody wants to watch Chivas and Pumas go at it. Uh, but unfortunately, it, it was just bad. <laughs> what else can we say? Yeah, but, I mean, that own goal came off. It looked like a... To me, it looked like miscommunication where Pereira and Cota didn't know what the other one was doing, and Pereira, he, you know, if he if he doesn't know what his goalie is doing, he has to go for it. But then he mishits it, and Cota was, you know, halfway between the ball and the goal, so he couldn't do anything and just went right over his head for an own goal. Yeah, I don't know about you. I think it was more of the goalkeeper's fault. I think there's no way he should have been uh, that 
you know, outside his area, I guess uh, the right wording would be because uh, Pereira, all in all, he, it was just a horrible header. Let's be honest. Even if Gota would have been in the right position, that would have probably been an own goal or a really good save by Gota. But I think for me, the the fault is in Gota. Uh, and it was it was sort of that killer because Chivas weren't playing bad. They, they had possession of the ball. I think Pumas at the beginning of the game would have signed the 0-0. They would have taken the point to week two. Valencia was not as enthusiastic going forward as many thought, including myself, because I think in preseason, Puma showed a different face. They looked like a team that was hungry to, to move forward. They didn't look as vertical as they did with Guillermo Vasquez. But in this game, they just completely sat back and they let Chivas have the initiative of the game. So that goal was sort of a killer for 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 Chivas because they, they weren't doing that bad. I mean, it was sort of that patient game. Uh, I wouldn't say they would have scored the winner at the end, but, uh, you know, maybe... You never know. They would have had that one chance and they would have uh, gone close to scoring or would have scored the goal. But again, it, it was just a really big letdown for, for Chivas, that own goal. Uh, but, you know, moving on, we have to talk about Gullit Pena. Before we get to Gullit Pena, real quick, um, Angel Saldivar, I don't think he touched the ball for like the first 30 minutes of the game. I felt he was just trying so hard to be involved in the game, but he was just, no one gave him the ball. Chivas just couldn't feed him. He was playing that lone striker role, and believe me, he was all alone. Yeah. Again, I think it was just really tough because Puma sat, sat back. If there's any excuse for Saliva, I think it's because just Pumas were very defensive. Yeah, and I'm now, not blaming him necessarily. I'm just saying it's this is going to be – I think this is going to be a problem for Chivas this season. I think they're if I know we didn't have a preview episode, but uh I'll say something about Chivas. I think Chivas is a really good team, but I think they're still one or two players short of, of being is a really is one of those players a forward who can score? Yeah, <laughs> I I would say that, but I don't think it's the most critical of them all. I would uh, say I, yes, just because last season I thought they created so many chances, just no one got on the end of them. Yeah, but I think I don't know. It's tough. It's really, really tough because I, th- I think Marco Bueno is one guy who I can see maybe getting more time as the season goes on. I, th- I know he's heading out to the Olympics, and, and that's unfortunate for him. Or, I mean, unfortunate for him and his chances at Chivas. But uh, but I think he could do a little bit better than Saldiva just because he's more of that natural number nine. Uh, if Euro taught us anything, if you saw Germany go out against France, they really missed that Mario Gomez type of player. Uh, it's not that Mario Gomez is, you know, the most technical, most brilliant forward. He's not Kunawero. He's not Lionel Messi. But just being there, just being a tall, you know, lanky, strong number nine-looking dude there, makes all the difference in in, in a team that that really holds possession and uh, and likes to combine, you know, right outside the box and and send crosses in. So I think in that sense, maybe Marco Bueno could do a little bit better than Saldivar, but I disagree with you. I think goals are, are important, but uh, for me, some of that, again, I'll, I'll go back to Gullipena. I don't know if you want to go touch on Gullipena already, but for me, uh, a guy like Gullipena, and I'll, you know, I'll make, I'll criticize another guy, Isaac Brizuela. I think these are two guys that, that need to do something. They just, for me, sometimes they just completely disappear. I don't know what they're doing. They just don't look, uh, completely focused. It's it's sort of like they play at, at 50, 75 percent, never at 100 percent. They look like sometimes they're in it, sometimes they don't. Uh, I just don't know. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't even know Priscilla was playing until he got subbed out. Yeah, it's. I did not know he was in the game until he got subbed out, and I was like, "Wow, he was in the game the whole time!" Like, and I was watching the game. I just did not realize he was even in the game. And I was as soon as he, as soon as I heard he was getting subbed out, I was like, "When did he even start playing?" Because he he has these moments where he's just like, "Hey, Chivas paid what ten million dollars for me?" Yeah. I'm and he's and you see him out there, you're like, "Oh man, he was worth it." But then you have like month long stretches where you're like, "Do they have a better option than him?" Because he's just not bringing it. No, it's uh, I've honestly I'm I'm a big fan of Riswala or was a big fan of Riswala uh, because this is a guy who who technically speaking is one of the better players in Liga MX when it comes to Mexican players. 
uh, I mean, he is really, really talented. But I, I was present at the Super Copa Yankees here at the Stub Pub Center. I saw Chivas get to play live. And for me, it just completely changed my perception of, of Briswell. I think this is a guy we should be a little bit more critical about. Uh, because it's while it's true that he's really really good on the ball and you know he can do all these fancy smooth fancy moves cut in and score brilliant goals he he's sort of like when he's forced to kind of uh, go back and defend he sort of just completely disappears it, it's like really easy to take him out the game it's like if you just put a guy who he he's supposed to mark and defend it's like Brissola completely forgets 100% about attacking it's like okay I'm just gonna stay here and stick to my guy and that's it I'll completely disappear from the game that's the sense I got watching him play live and that's the sense I get when I watch him play on TV it's like sort of like he doesn't know what to do it's sort of like okay if I'm not gonna get the ball just hide here and you know play some defense and that's it I mean he played 60 minutes he had a one key pass he had no tackles um, he was dispossessed a couple times. He's just, he only completed 66% of his 18 passes. So it's like, I, I don't know what he's doing out there. And I, like I said, I, I'm a fan of him and I thought he was going to do well, but since he went to Chivas, he's kind of, it's like when kind of like, he's been a ghost. Yeah. A ghost. And he had a period last season where he did really well too. Well, yeah, he got called in back to the national team. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I think this is one guy that Chivas fans should be a little bit more critical about. I think he's he's just not doing well. Well, uh, speaking of not doing yeah. well, <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw the 15 different angles, but I don't think it looked like a like a penalty kick. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it hit it hit the dude right in the chest, right? Yeah, right, like hit him right in the nipple. And I'm surprised it was like, was it the Cholos game where there was a penalty kick and the guy was showing him where the ball hit him in the, in oh the yeah, chest? that was not a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like the same thing. Just, just, I was like, all right, this doesn't look like a penalty, but you know, whatever. And then I guess like the great Rashid Wallace once said, ball don't <laughs> lie. And he missed the penalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was kind of horrific. And watching. it was a terrible penalty. Like, I, like, yeah, I can't even make penalties in FIFA, but, like, that was a terrible penalty. It was sort of sad while going on Twitter, like, right after the penalty was called. Well, did you notice, as soon as it was a penalty kick, everyone who I follow on Twitter that's a Chivas fan was, yeah, or, like, anyone not... but Every single person is like, anyone but Exactly. It was just so sad because, I mean, Twitter just basically flooded with Chivas fans saying, no, not Gullit, please. Anybody but Gullit. But, oh, man, it was just... It was just bad. <laughs> it was rough. And then as soon as I think, I forget which account was saying, but like that's, he's the first Chivas player to miss three consecutive penalty kicks in like 40 years. Yeah. I saw some, since like the seventies, someone busted that stat out and I was like, damn. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he's, he's been playing bad for a while. He's, I don't know. He uh, kind of tricked me though. Last season there was a, there was a, like a month where he played well. It might have been yeah. at the beginning of the season, I think, where he played well, and I thought, you know what, maybe he's turning the corner. You know what, he is not turning the corner. <laughs> yeah, but there's just, there's just no excuse. I think, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think Chiwa should just go ahead and bench him. I think they, they can. Do- Who are they going to play? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anybody, <laughs> you can put in Antonio Rodriguez, or it doesn't matter. And you know what the sad thing is? When Mexico was getting killed by Chile, and not to bring up Cierta Cero, but that's the guy. They brought in, yeah. They brought in when we needed goals. And I was thinking the exact same thing. Because, you know, before that game, he played zero minutes, I think. Yeah, he, or, he, no, nothing. He did not play. Yeah. And remember, he played that game against Paraguay, uh, that friendly, yeah. where Mexico won. And he looked brilliant. He looked like he was just, you know, winning the ball. He was powering his way through three, two or three defenders. He looked great. Uh, and I remember Juan Carlos Osorio, even before that game, they asked him, you know, why go it? Uh, and Osorio said, for me, this is one of the best Mexican players in the league. Uh, this guy has it all. He's technically gifted. He's he's very strong. Uh, you know, he's just very, very good. I mean, why wouldn't I call a guy like Gola? Uh, but, I mean, no. I mean, these past few months have just been uh, bad. I mean, barring that game against Bar- Paraguay, he has just not been very good. And it's not like he's playing for one of the more patient, you know, fans in mexico 
and I mean, for me, the thing I was thinking about was just get rid of this guy as soon as possible. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be mean. I know he can just maybe turn the corner and and do really well this, the rest of the games, but for me, uh, he's just been one of the weak links in in this in this Chivas team. I think they can do better with La Chofi starting there. I mean, anybody, anybody, but would go there. I think he he he. Uh, we we say this a lot about Gullit. He gets into positions where he can score goals, but uh, he doesn't score them. Well, the one thing that Chivas can do right off the bat, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal, is you can they can move Pineda to the ten and then start Gallito next to Salcido in the midfield. Yeah, uh, and again, back to I think Chivas are two players short of uh, of being a really good team. I think that's that's one position probably where, where I think they're short. But there's no excuse for this because they have Gallito Vasquez, who they just bought. And like you said, I don't know why he's in the bench. I really he didn't don't know. Play. He did not play. He's, maybe he's injured, but there's no excuse to have Gallito Vasquez in the bench. There's absolutely no excuse. I, I mean, I would just plug in Pineda at the 10 and move Gallito, and that would make your team so much better. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can take out Salcido, but you have to have a guy like like Ayito Vasquez, I think that's one player that can really benefit this team. And if they move Pineda to number 10, that kind of frees him up from having to come back and play defense. You know, Not that he's not willing, but it just frees yeah. him up. I mean, there's so many possibilities with Chihuahua when you have a guy like Vasquez in the midfield, in yeah. my opinion. He, cover, but, he covers a lot of ground. Yeah, and for me, the two players I think that, that, that Chihuahua are missing, I think they need a a much younger version of Carlos Alcido. I don't think there is a player available, unfortunately. But that's one player I think they they, sh- they would benefit in in buying. Uh, and the other thing for me is is a ball playing center back because with Matias Almeida's style, it's all about playing from the back. And last season they tried doing that with Carlos Alcido, but Carlos Alcido was just so bad. At it. Carlos Alcido is not Rafa Marquez. I can tell you guys now. Uh, Salcedo is a good defender. He's strong, physical. Uh, but he's just not very good with the ball on his feet. He's not. Uh, so this season, I see him doing the same thing with Jair Pereira. And Jair Pereira has done well. Uh, but I think Chivas is still one one center back short uh, of being a really, really good team. I think if uh, if it were up to me, I know I'm not in charge of Chivas. If I got a good offer, any offer from Europe for Carlos Acedo, I'll let him go ASAP. Uh, and use that money to to buy another center back. I know Osvaldo Lanis, which is more of a technical ball playing center back, is there, but the guy is always injured. So yeah, I guess he's the announcer is saying he's close to coming back, and, uh, and they even mentioned you know they would he would easily just plug in if they sold Tercido. So I guess the window is still open for Chivas to sell him. So yeah, especially after the Olympics. So yeah, um, if it were up to me, I'd sell Tercido and and profit there. I have yeah. nothing against Salcedo. I think he's he's a really good player, uh, but I think if, if Chivas want to improve, I think Alanis is probably a better option if he's healthy. And then you bring in another center back. I know they can't buy another center back this season, but maybe thinking forward to the next and you know keep that money in the bank and and buy a center back next season. Uh, I know my opinion is probably not very popular because a lot of guys like Salcedo, uh, but for me. Uh, I just think that Chivas can do better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not that Chivas can, but isn't the window still open for Liga MX where they can buy it? Just, but it has to be a foreigner, or no? I don't know. I think it has to be a foreigner, though. Yeah, I think the yeah. Not that yeah. Chivas can buy, you know what I mean? But I think the, I think the window's still technically open for teams. So I don't know. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, closing out the weekend was the. Uh, Santos versus Tigres, and uh, the game ended at zero zero. Yeah, another terrible game. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Machacin had a good game. I do know that, and your boy Arajo played well. But yeah. Brian Ravello, just what is his deal? Like I remember last season, me and you were huge fans of this signing, and then he's just been inconsistent. Yeah, look, I, I was a big fan of Santos Laguna last season. I think they they did very well. I think I made the point that they were very Argentine. They were very good defensively. Uh, they weren't super exciting. They, it wasn't like they were playing free-flowing, attacking football, but they got the job done. They they made the Liguilla. They, I think I don't remember if they went out in semifinals or, or the quarterfinals, but they did well. They 
they did what they had to do. They they made the Liguilla, uh, and I think they could probably have enough to make the Liguilla again this season. Uh, but for me, Santos Laguna, it's just, uh, I think offensively speaking, they, they still lack a bit, and they brought in a couple new players. Uh, and we, the question mark is if they can m- make the team better, if they can uh, improve the team right away, which is tough in Liga Mekis because there's always a, an adaptation period for, for the new guys. And I think Rabelo's in the mix of things because uh, – do you keep Robelo in, or do you try in the new guys who, who you just bought for a couple million? Uh, I think Robelo's in in a limbo in that sense because you kind of w- want to give the responsibility to these new guys because you just bought them. Uh, the coach kind of wants to prove that you know he bought the good uh, the right player during the off season, and uh, he has a point to prove it in that regard. Uh, and Robelo was there already last season, and uh, I don't know. I think it's tough for Robelo, but he, he continues to be a. Uh, a talented young South American player in the guy Mekis. Uh, but the only time will tell, you know, it's, I think Subaldia has more options now. Uh, defensively speaking, they'll continue to be a solid team. Uh, but the question mark is still going to be offensively. Can they produce offensively? Yep, and in Tigre, I mean, I don't even pay attention to Tigre until like mid season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're missing Gignac right now. I mean, it's just, just waiting waiting for him to come back. But the only good thing that happened in this game that I noticed for Tigres was, uh, at least for me, was that Spericueta made the bench. Spiri- yeah, Spericueta <laughs> made the bench. I mean, I was shocked with that too. I, I kind of smiled a little bit. Uh, you know, Borja was was doing the commentary on Univision, and uh, I think they... they I think Borja was, was a board member at Tigres or, or president, I'm not sure, uh, when Spericueta... First launched into fame in that famous U seventeen World Cup, and Borja was like, "Wow, this guy was incredible!" Like the instant I watched him, like, like this guy would would be like sixteen years old and like win games by himself because he was just that good. Uh, and I remember watching Espericueta play at a seventeen year old, and I'm like, you know, this guy's ridiculous. This guy is literally, you know, he's doing things that I mean, I probably sound like I'm exaggerating, but you know, he was doing things that. That you'd see guys like Iniesta and Xavi do because he was just a brilliant, brilliant, super young midfielder. But I mean, as it is with Tigres, they, they just don't give their their youngsters a chance. Uh, is this season to probably make an appearance or two? I don't know because I think Tigres is more stacked than ever now. Uh, I know I've tweeted this out a couple times, but um, Carlos Fierro has as many Liga MX appearances. As Espericueta has Liga MX minutes, career-wise. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, but he made the bench. And like I, I tweeted out, progress? Yes, pro- progress. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like you said, the guys will be there at the end of the day. I think they're, for me, they're the favorites to win it. Uh, they could go on and lose their next five games and somehow win their next ten and make the Liga at eight, as eighth place. And still do, you know, damage in the league. That's just how the U.S. are. They're just such a dangerous team. Uh, I think letting go of Rafael Sobis was probably uh, a bit costly to the team, but bringing in guys like Ismael Sosa and uh, Quinones and everybody else, uh, I mean, really do I have an excuse? You, you let go of one good player and brought in like three, so really. Yeah, Tuca, I can't complain. And yeah. I, I looked up the schedule. Tigres don't play Monterrey until October 29th. Yeah, that should be so. That should be a good one again. Yeah, that would be a good one. Um, I guess we kind of talked about it, but any who's your player of the week? Player of the week? It has to be Chucky Lozano. I think Lozano was arguably the better player this, this week. I'm going to have to agree, and I'm going to give a shout-out to Ponchito. As well, and yeah, Munoz, Munoz played too. That I guess that kind of rounds the round, the rounds at the three for us. But yeah, Munoz did pretty well too. Well, I have to say, Dido, Dido has to be there. Dido scored twice. Yeah. So there, I think for me, individual performances. Yeah, there's there's a couple of good individual performances. Uh, and on the but, opposite end, who 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 are the flops? God, again, gotta say Gullet. God, yeah, I have to agree. I I know I didn't say this much about um. We didn't talk a lot about Leon except for Montes, but I think Elias Hernandez was a bit disappointing as well uh, because he was just doing so well last season. Uh, I think he had 
an okay game, but he didn't look as as a, as active as maybe I would have thought he would because he's just a very talented player. Yeah, they they uh, they have Elias Hernandez playing right back. Yeah, I, I don't know if he was playing right back. Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, he was not very good. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, I, that was one of the guys we were thinking he might go to the Olympics. Yeah. But turned out not to be. Uh, anything else you want to touch on week one? No, it's just I think we – I ranted a lot today, but there, let's not make any concrete conclusions. Just week one. Uh, things will improve. Things will pick up. There's, there's teams that will play a lot better than they did today. Uh, and I think we brought it up that all the home all the home teams went undefeated. So um, that's good. It, again, it, it shows just uh, how Liga Amekis works usually. Uh, but everybody's going to have their day. This is Liga Amekis. Every team has a chance at the end of the day. Uh, again, there's going to be teams that are going to improve. There's there's the Veracruz who I think will, will eventually bounce back. There's the Chivas who... I know they lost today, but they'll do well. Uh, Club America is definitely going to improve after Saturday's victory. Uh, yeah, it's there's reason to be excited. I know this week was a little bit boring, but uh, things will pick up. Yeah, and uh, stay tuned with uh, FMF State of Mind for all your Liga MX needs. So I'm Raul, and this is Rafa. Rafa, where can we find you? So yeah, like you said, we're we're trying to get FMF State of Mind working again. So uh, you're actually running a Twitter account, so I know you've been <laughs> doing a really good job doing that. Uh, but yeah, uh, so you can basically find a lot of our work at FMF State of Mind. Uh, as always, I have uh, Mexican Foot going on. Uh, I'll probably do a five conclusions piece every week uh, for those who who like reading that. Uh, just again, it's it's basically we're just getting started. It was tough. Uh, it was tough, tough watching some of these games, actually. But, again, it's going to pick up. So, uh, No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's week one, you know? Yeah. This, you can't. It's mellow right now, but I'll tell you, week, by the time Monterrey plays, Cruza, uh, Monterrey plays Tigres, week 14, yeah, stuff's going to get real. Yeah, it's, it's going to get a lot better. Yeah, so, yeah, we're just going to hopefully try to do these every week. So, if any feedback, please let us know. Thanks for listening.